And I believe with all my heart that God desires to fan those flames into greater intensity and of longer duration. And I want to ask you the question, and I think Brother Samuel already introduced the sermon. He didn't know it, but some of that, those thoughts were mine. It's, do you desire, as a congregation, do you desire that we would be a church aflame? Do you really desire that? And for that to happen, individuals must be on fire for God. That's speaking of me. That's speaking of you. And I ask you, what role do you and I play in this quest for continued revival? The writer in Hebrews would tell us that one thing we need to do is let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And there were people that did that this past week. Lay aside the sin, the sin and receive Christ as Savior and lay those old things beside Secondly, the writer would say that we need to run with patience the race that is set before us. Thirdly, we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So I believe if we can do those three things, we could have continued revival. And that is the burden of the message this morning. And the title of the message is God's Continuing Work of Sanctification. For a text, I invite you to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And in this verse, I see the beauty of God's patience in the work of sanctification. Could you say that God has been patient with you as he works with you? I can say that. God has been patient with me. He that has begun a good work in me, he has been patient. And I would like to submit to you that begun a good work would be conversion. When Jesus begun, be, began a good work uh, in me, in you, that can be at our conversion experience. And then he desires to perform that sanctification until the day of Jesus Christ. And obviously that's the second return of our Lord and I had to think back, and you'll think how old I am, and you'll recognize that the gray hair does go along parallel with what I'm getting ready to say. I accepted the Lord at Raleigh Springs on October the 2nd, 1968. Now that's been 53 years ago, but God has been patient with me. From that time till he began that work, October the 2nd, 1968, until now, 53 years, but God's been patient with me. And for most of us, all right, let me back up. For at least two people last week, a good work was begun. That's at the conversion. And for most of us, that good work continues. And that's the burden of the message this morning as we think about God's sanctifying work, of sancti God's continuing work of sanctification. I would like to read the first 11 verses in this passage. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you all in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits, and here's the results of sanctification and God's work, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. I'd just like to share this briefly, the setting of this book here in Philippians. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37, 23, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Someone has observed, not only does the Lord lovingly order our steps, he orders our stops. Now, that's not from me, and it's not scripture. But there's a lot of truth to that. God orders your steps and he orders your stops. During Paul's second missionary journey, he intended to go north into Bithynia. But the Bible tells us the spirit suffered them not to go into that area. And it was at this juncture that Paul had a vision of a man who pleaded, come over into Macedonia and help us. It's my understanding that the church at Philippi that we're reading from, the church at Philippi was the first church founded on European soil in about 50 A.D. God orchestrated Paul's journey, because, and he was concerned for the Gentile so, so, sorry, souls uh, in there on European soil. And this was just a very random thought. I even called Keith Kreider this morning and asked him, is this possible? And I was thinking about the church being founded on European soil. And I asked Keith, is it possible that the believers would have migrated out of Philippi and went north up into Germany and Switzerland and that sort of thing? Is it possible God was concerned for you and for me and that's... The, there, there may be believers that went up into Germany and various places and then they came over to the new country and uh, God was concerned for your soul and for mine. Uh, I know that was random, but that's where my mind went. Keith wasn't sure. He said 1,500 years. It's hard to tell what all happened, but uh, anyway... Uh, let's, let's go back to verse 1, and if you'll allow me, I'd like to paraphrase this verse. <clears throat> from brothers Delmer and Elam, from Dave and Jay, servants or under oarsmen of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at the peak, along with Claire and Samuel. And then it goes on in verse 2, grace unto you and peace from God our Father. 
But why did I say that? I, I said it because of this. I appreciate the men on the ministerial team that we have here at the peak. I believe they are servants. They are investing their time, their ability, and their efforts for the life of the church, and especially, specifically, for the congregation here at the peak. And I appreciate what those men, each man brings to the table. Areas of strength that I don't have, and I appreciate that, I just like to say that I feel privileged to serve with the ministerial team that we have here at the peak. I want to thank you for their efforts. Verse 2, try to move through these fairly quickly. Verse 2, we have grace and we have peace. And that's the attributes that we have here. Notice in verse 2, where does those things come from? Grace and peace. Grace be unto you and peace. Where's the source? From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's riches at Christ's expense. We've always, we've heard that acrostic before. And how blessed are you for what the things that you face. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 Thinking of God's grace, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that you have a source or a place to go? When you have difficulties, you can look for God's grace. You can look for his peace. And what a blessing it is. And it's not something that we conjure on our own. It's from him. He is the source. He's the one that we receive this grace and this peace from. I would submit to you that peace comes from a heart that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone has said that God has made us with a void that only he could fill. That Again, that's not scripture, but that's truth. God made us with a void in our heart that only he can fill. And there's so many people that are frustrated because they haven't found what they're looking for. I submit to you, look to Jesus he is the source. He will fill that void. And once that happens, the search is over. And then the peace can reign. You understand? Grace and peace can come when that search is over. We've received Jesus and the Holy Spirit into our life. And then we can live uh, above the sin that would, would hold us into bondage. Let's look at verse 3. Paul is thankful here. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I understand right, the church at Philippi had taken up an offering, and I may be wrong, I think maybe it might have been Epaphroditus that took that offering um, to Paul, but anyway, or he wanted to send them back and give them their thanks, but on that occasion and because of their faith, Paul was, he was grateful to these people, these believers at Philippi. <clears throat> I would say to you that sometimes I think the, short, the church is short on commendation. I would like to ask you and me, will, will, will we commit to do a better job of sharing some com commendation? I'd like to share an instance that happened some years ago. We were having, it's been a long time ago, but we were having Wednesday evening meetings here, and, and I called one brother and I asked him, we're getting ready to have a personality profile from one of, the, one of the characters in the scripture. Would you be willing to do one of those? And he said, well, 
I'll call you back and I'll, I'll tell you later. He called me back and he said, I'm not really that used to being on the floor, but I'll do the best I can. And I've never forgotten it. That man is here this morning. I hope he's encouraged. Verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. Paul, he recognized the importance and the power of prayer. He needed the prayer for himself and he desired to pray for others. And it's very obvious. Brother Delmer, numerous times, he said... I find a lot of strength at what happens over here in this room. He said, come, if we get too many people, we'll make arrangements. We'll do something else. Brother Delmer appreciated so much when you were praying for him. And we need to do that, brothers and sisters. There's tremendous power. And I also thought of the difference of what, bring, what life comes, what brings... I, well, what shall I say, whether life brings it our way, God is the one that brings things our way. But, you know, the difficulties that we face, and I thought of the difference between happiness and the difference of joy. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. And we have difficult circumstances, and we're going to go down. We're going to have a very difficult time if our focus is on happiness. But if our focus is on joy, recognizing that Jesus said... I will not forsake you. I'll always be with you. I will never forsake you. That gives joy in life. So even though we have difficulties, we have a confidence in God's love. We have a confidence in his provision. Despite the circumstances, we can have joy. Some of you have experienced a lot of difficulties. There's people that have lost loved ones very recently within this congregation. And yes, it brings heartache. But we can have joy because our focus is on what God can give. He can bring to us his blessing. Verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And I would submit to you that I feel like COVID separated us in many ways in our congregation. What did COVID take away from us? And I know you're probably here, tired of even me mentioning COVID. But I believe COVID separated us from corporate worship. It separated us from our opinions. It separated us largely in our fellowship. And I will tell you, when we were going through those two or three months, when we had to have church at home, we were calling in and we were coming here preaching to six or eight people. I missed the brotherhood. I missed the fellowship. I missed you all. And yes, we need God in his word, but we need each other. And I'll tell you, I missed it. Sometimes we don't realize what we have until we lose it. And I thought last week was such a beautiful change from what we had lost. We were able to come here. We were able to sit under the sound of the gospel. You could sit together. You did not have to wear a mask. And we could just enjoy the Lord's work, the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and the fellowship with each other. And I say, what a blessing. The text verse, he that which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The NIV would read this way. 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And I thought, well, can you think of anything that God began, any, any work that he began that he didn't finish? Can you all think of any? Genesis 2, chapter 1, after creation, after the six days of creation, God rested. He finished what he began and he rested. And I think there's a spiritual parallel. I'd like to, to go to Malachi. You all have heard me share this before, but I'd like to share it again. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2, But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Someone asked a refiner of silver, Why is it that you must sit and observe uh, this firing process. And the refiner said, because if the fire gets too hot, it will damage the silver. We're talking this morning about sanctification and God's work in your heart and mind. God is observing this process very carefully, very closely. And he won't allow something too hard, too hot for you. Um, we do need to be purged. And we do need to be sanctified, but God is watching the process very carefully. And then the second question when is the refining process finished? And the refiner of silver said, when I can see my image in the silver. And that is what God is looking for. He is looking for his image in your silver in the refining process in your life and in your heart. I could go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, a couple of my favorite verses. Um, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. That's sanctification. A little bit from here moving on. Changed into the same image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory. That's sanctification and God is very interested in that process. Verses 7 and 8. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul did not let the difficulties, the chains and the imprisonment deter him from encouraging others in the Lord. How about when we're down and we're, dis we're discouraged is that hard for us to try to reach out to others when we're going through a difficulty? But really, brothers and sisters, according to God's word, it will do something for you if you're willing to do it. Uh, I could turn to Proverbs 11:25. I think it is. I'm not going to do that. But if you're willing to reach out, God will do something for you. What about the friends? Maybe some of you youth who went to Maranatha Bible School and Heritage Bible School, uh, friends are a tremendous blessing. And I know that students are not to go to Bible school, but sometimes they go to Bible school and the friends there becomes a spouse. We have two sons-in-laws because that happened. I don't think they went there 
to the school because they were looking for a spouse, but that is what happened. I can think of some, some people that have, God has brought into my life that have been a tremendous challenge and a tremendous blessing in my life. Um, one of them I can think of right now that, that I would occasionally share a difficulty in my life and he may be a thousand miles away, and he said, Jay, he said, let's pray. Over the telephone, that meant a lot to me. Can you do that? Verse 9, spending time with Jesus has an effect on your character. In Acts chapter 2 and 3, Peter and John were interrupted. You remember they were going into the the house of worship or the temple there. Uh, They were going in to pray. And they met the impotent man. But I love it how James and John, they gave credit to God for the power that was displayed. And I would ask you, do you and I have something to contribute in the hour of need? Do you have something to contribute in the hour of someone's need? And if so, how or why do you have something to offer? Can you empathize with someone going through a difficult experience? I'm reminded 20-some years ago when our son Richard was born, he had had the cord wrapped around his neck twice and once around his hand and five more minutes and he wouldn't have made it. At least that's what the doctors and nurses told us. And Roy and Carol Barnhart came and brought four different types of food to us. And I asked, why did that mean so much to us? because they had just lost a son recently, drowned in a creek. Someone empathized, and out of their deep heart pain, they were willing to come and share their love with us when we were going through kind of a a downtime. Verses 8 and 9. Verses 9 and 10, I'm sorry. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. These verses speak of the need of discernment. Having the ability to choose between right and wrong, the ability to choose between good and bad, the ability to choose between the trivial and even the better. And we at the peak last week during our revivals were exposed to God's word helping us to navigate choices carefully. That is part of God's continuing work of sanctification. Uh, If you'll allow me, I'd like to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Hebrews 5, 14, thinking of discernment. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised by, I'm sorry, exercised to discern both good and evil. And I believe that was uh, Delmer's desire. He was trying to give us the ability to discern between right and wrong. The the things that come to us from the world, from the flesh, and encourage us to be careful in our choices. The last verse, verse 11 
being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And I want to ask you as we think about our revivals, what are the results of a close communion with God? What are the results of our revival meetings? What are the results of personal devotions? What are, the, what are the results of corporate worship like we have here this morning? What are, what are the results of fellowshipping with other Christians? Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. God desires fruitfulness from our life and from our heart. John chapter 15 talks about fruitfulness. I'd like to consider just a couple verses from John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I also have in my notes, but I'm not going to turn to either one of these passages. Um, Psalm 1 verse 3 uh, and Jeremiah 17 8. Speaking of the tree that it's planted by the rivers of water. And if we are receiving sustenance and water from the water of life from the Lord Jesus, we also can be fruitful. I'm not going to turn to those passages this morning, but you know those well. In conclusion, God's continuing work of sanctification varies in your life and mine. Sometimes God's work is shorter. Sometimes it's longer. And I couldn't help this morning to think of John David, John David Risser. Most of you know that John David was called in the prime, in the prime of life. I think he was 44 years old. And maybe some of you have seen this paper. This is a paper that, that John David, he has 10 points here about I believe God. And it says this, John David's testimony, 10 points John had written several years ago while teaching Bible school, stating what he believed. And this was used at his funeral message. And I went ahead and printed off about 20 or 25 of these, put it on the table. Uh, if you would like to uh, get that, I'll just read just a few real quickly. John David said this, I believe that God is ultimately and supremely in control of what happens to me. And he gives some verses. I believe that my choice in how I respond or react to life's disappointments and unfair treatment will determine whether the outcome will be positive. Another one, I believe that, a and I thought this was good for us to hear in our day and age in which we live, I believe that affluence in my experience, will cause feelings of self-sufficiency and discontent which will need to be crucified in order to have victory in Christian, in Christian walk of life. Another one, I believe 
that if self is my focus, either physical or spiritual suicide will occur. And the last one, he says this, I believe that as I allow God to help me respond properly to life's difficulties, sufferings, and disappointment, I will be able to bless and encourage others in the struggles and trials they are facing. It's my understanding that Dwayne Whitmer, who was almost 10 years older than John David, preached John David's funeral service, and he used these 10 points uh, as the basis for the, for the funeral message. And I wasn't there, and I would like to hear a transcript, or I'd like to hear that sermon, and I haven't got that done yet. But it's my understanding that Dwayne Whitmer, who was ten year, eight years John David's senior, said this at the end of the sermon. He said, when I get big, I'd like to be like John David. God's transforming power and his continuing work of sanctification is in your life. We don't know when God will call time, whether it's middle of life or the end of life. We don't know. But I would suggest and submit to you, may God have his way in your life and in mine, being confident of this, that he who hath begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's my desire that the revivals we had last week will not be a flash in the pan, but they will continue. And as we allow God to fan those flames, I think it can continue. And that's my desire for your life, my desire for mine. May God bless you. Shall we have a song?